0: Hello again, Fight fans. Welcome to episode 224 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero. And today we have special guest Gabriel Flores Jr. out of Stockton, California. The Stockton King, 17-0, and uh, fighting next week on ESPN. And uh, let's see, what else? Boxing is back, guys. We got boxing tomorrow. We got boxing Thursday. We've got uh, these Tuesday and Thursday cards really for like the next month. So I know a lot of you out there have been critical of the matchups. Not the best matchups. I get it. There's a lot of one-sided matchmaking there. I understand. But boxing is back. And I think that these cards are going to serve as a market sampler, kind of like an appetizer. You know, wet everybody's appetite as we build into some some bigger matchups coming uh, down. Uh, I'll say... What, uh, July, we start to get some good stuff, but then August, September, I, I, I actually think we're going to get some good matchups this year, guys. I, I really, really do. So I am remaining uh, confident and optimistic, despite uh, boxing letting me down so many times. <laughs> uh, let's see. So this is episode 224 of the Neutral Corner for the week of June 13th. That's this Saturday. Guess what? That's also my birthday. That's right. This Saturday, June 13th, I turned 41 years old. Can you believe it? I know, I don't look 41, do I? The hairline might. I'm losing it. The hairline is going higher and higher every year. That widow's peak is popping a bit more. Other than that, though, I think I'm doing all right at 41. I think I'm doing all right. So, um, why am I saying this? Because I want all of you guys to pool the money together and buy me a jacuzzi. No, I'm just joking. Although that would be awesome. uh, I'm letting you guys know that because this weekend, my lovely fiance Tiffany and myself, we are uh, going out of town. We are going to unplug from social media and all the negativity and craziness that's going on in the world right now. And we're going to get uh, away just for a few days. So uh, we're going to take off for the weekend and we won't be back till next Tuesday. And uh, so that means no show next Monday, June 15th. So no show next week. All right. Just want to give you guys a heads up because I'm taking a few days off for my birthday. I freaking need it. Uh, Guys, as always, remember. Like, share, subscribe, retweet the show, get it out there, all right? Whether you're listening to the audio version right now live on Spreaker or you're watching me live, the video version here on YouTube, either way, guys, make sure that you share the show, get the word out, because the assholes at Google are actively trying to suppress channels like mine and keep it under 10,000 subscribers. I so need your guys' help to get over that 10,000 benchmark, it'll Prop me up to that next level in their algorithm. They'll still be working against me. They still will be working against me. But I can fight back a little harder if I get over 10,000 subs. I need your guys' help to do that. Uh, So please, please get the word out and make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you click that notification bell on YouTube so you know when I go live, okay? But you guys know it's pretty much every Monday, sans a few weeks a year. Uh, Let's see, what else? I wanted to say something real quick. I wanted to say rest in peace to retired St. Louis police captain David Dorn, who was 77 years old, gunned down, murdered last week. Uh, He was responding to a situation. Even though he retired in 2007 after 38 years on the force, he still stayed involved in the community there in St. Louis, and he was responding to a situation. Uh, There was a looting situation going on in certain parts of St. Louis, and there was, um, I think it was a pawn shop. That uh, there was a call put in, he responded to it and was gunned down. Uh, tragically, died right there on the sidewalk. And I just think it's an absolute shame that the media is not talking about that. They should be. T- it should be front page news, and everybody should know this man's name, David Dorn, a wonderful, wonderful human being, a great American who, over almost four decades in the police force, uh, did so many things. It probably touched thousands of lives there in St. Louis. Improved the lives of so many in his community, gunned down by cowards last weekend. So there has been an arrest. Stephen Cannon, 24 years old, arrested. Everyone in America should know his name. These names are not going to be promoted in most of the media, but you should know these names, so I'm telling them right now. Rest in peace, David Dorn. My uh, heartfelt condolences and and thoughts go out to the Dorn family. And uh, Stephen Cannon has been arrested, 24 years old for that shooting. We'll see what happens there. Okay, back to boxing, guys. Real quick tangent there. Sorry about it. Just had to get out there because nobody else in the media will talk about it. Okay, boxing is back this week, Tuesday and Thursday shows. And, again, as I've said, they will run weekly into July. I posted a piece on RingTV.com last week that detailed the new protocols and procedures that the uh, the promoters are having to go through there in Nevada, specifically Top Rank has kind of built a little uh, a facility, but it's like a campus, if you will, where their fighters are going to live, basically, for the next month. And there's all these procedures and things that uh, NSAC uh, laid laid out, but also the MGM executives have their own set, and Top Rank had to make an operational plan to go along with that. So I posted the article last week. It's still there at ringtv.com. They bumped it up to the top of the page uh, because it's relevant, obviously, this week. So guys, go over there and check that out. Um, I know, you know, a lot of you guys would rather me post some clickbaity bullshit, but, you know, I like to actually write about boxing news. And um, so make sure you guys go check that out. Uh, but we're going to be talking to one of the fighters who's there on that campus. So we'll get to ask him some questions about life on that campus and, and just how different it is In this uh, post COVID world that we're living in, I think it's gonna be an interesting conversation. Uh, Speaking of that, Michaela Mayer tests positive for COVID 19 and is off the top ranked show. I think she, I can't remember if she was gonna fight this week or next week, forgive me, I just don't remember. But I believe it was this week, and she tested positive for COVID 19. I think she made a statement on Instagram talking about that she uh, doesn't have any symptoms doesn't feel sick or anything like that uh, but since she tested positive she is obviously off the show so top ranks testing is uh, up to standard because look you know if you're if you're testing positive it, you know there's certain procedures and everything that and there's quarantines and all that before your test results come through and it looks like so far it's working I know some people in the media quote unquote the blue uh, checkmark brigade uh, took this and ran with it and said, Oh, they shouldn't even be doing this. See sports shouldn't even be back. You know, those sorts of people, but what do you want? I, I think the procedures worked flawlessly here. Um, this is a person, Michaela Mera, who's not at risk in terms of losing her life due to the illness based on everything that we know uh, with her age group and everything else. But because she tested positive, it, w- it was discovered and she's been quarantined and she's off the show. And so everybody else, You know, they're not at risk because of the testing uh, procedures that top rank put into place. So I think that this is a good thing. I'm not glad Michaela Mayer tested positive. Obviously, that's horrible. But the fact that it was discovered before the event and she was uh, removed from the event, that shows you that the procedures are working. That's what we want. Right. For anybody to look at this and say, oh, just complain about it. You know, it's always the same people complaining about that shit. These are the, the beta soy boy assholes. Anyway, so, you know, obviously we wish her a speedy recovery, and she should. I think she'll be just fine. And what I don't know is, because this hasn't been talked about, uh, is it that she tested for the antibodies? Like, maybe she had the virus before. Maybe she had it and recovered, and they just found that, that she had it in her system. that was like a carrier of it. Or does she have it right now and is just asymptomatic? That I don't really know. I can't remember for sure. If you guys know, uh, let me know because um, I'm just not sure on that. But, you know, obviously with this whole COVID-19 thing, we're still discovering, guys, we're going to be, like, unpacking all the data from this to try to understand it and how it works and everything for years. Nobody knows exactly how it works. But at some point, we all have to get back to work, right? So... We need boxing back. We need sports back. I think, you know, uh, taking what we do know so far and all the precautionary measures that we could take doing that and ensuring that we're doing everything in our power to ensure the safety. We know it's not foolproof. We know it's on 100 percent, but it's still better than doing nothing, obviously. And, man, you can't sit around and just keep the economy dying. I just found out today, I, once again, I got hit by this thing, this whole um, the global shutdown that we've had. Um, I do some contracting work for, for another company. On top of the boxing work I do, I do some reporting work as a contractor. And they, they let me know today that basically uh, my pay is going to be cut by 15%. So, you know, boxing monthly, poof, that's gone. That, that avenue, uh, uh, revenue stream is gone, if you will. Uh, this other job where I do some contracting work, 15% of my pay is being cut for no reason other than they're, you know, the company's bleeding right now because of the shutdown and the economic impact that's had. And so you know, I, I, I told you guys, I've talked about all the gym owners I know and whose gyms have been shut down, you know, places where I trained at, friends of mine. So this thing has affected us in so many different ways. I'm just glad to see people getting back to work. I really, really am, including people in the boxing world. All right, speaking of the boxing world, uh, rumors of Manny Pacquiao fighting Gennady Golovkin. Stop. Stop with this. People, Freddie Roach said this in an interview. I can't even remember what platform it was on. But of course, immediately, there's a thousand articles. I'm getting calls and questions from my casual fight fan friends, you know, that watch, you know, a couple UFC cards, a couple boxing cards a year. Like, dude, is this going to happen? And um, no, it's not going to happen. Stop. And I've actually seen people talking about it on their podcast. You know, laying out a mythical scenario. What if, you know, Gennady Golovkin, you know, fights him at a catchweight, melts down to 158 or some shit? What if, you know, and and Manny beat um, Antonio Margarito at uh, junior middleweight before. So maybe they could do it at junior middleweight. Stop, everybody. It's a completely different situation. Manny is 40 plus years old. I get it. He just beat Keith Thurman. I think Keith Thurman was probably a little overrated by a lot of people out there. Still an outstanding win for him. not taking anything away, but I understand Golovkin struggled in that fight with Sergei Derevyanchenko, who's probably a little underrated by people out there. I get it. But this is like two different worlds, guys. Manny Pacquiao is essentially a blown-up lightweight or junior welterweight who fights at welterweight. Golovkin is a solid, sturdy middleweight. Uh, Regardless of what some of the things you guys have been told, he does not struggle to make 160. But He's not a small middleweight, but he's not a big middleweight either. Uh, I, I get that. But look, man, that's just too much of a weight differential and the power and everything else. Stop with this, okay? We have plenty of good fights that are going to happen this year and over the next 12 to 18 months. We don't need to be talking about Manny versus Gennady Golovkin. Like, that's insane, all right? Let's talk about Gennady Golovkin in his third fight with Canelo Alvarez that we're going to get next May. You're going to get Pacquiao versus uh, possibly Mikey Garcia. But at some point next year, it's going to be Manny Pacquiao versus Errol Spence. If somehow Danny Garcia beat Errol Spence, I, he'll have to knock him out to do it. But if somehow that happened, it's going to be Pacquiao versus Danny Garcia. All right, so, so those are all quality fights that you're going to get. You don't need to talk about this one because it's not happening. One fight that you probably are going to get uh, in mid-July, so you know a month from now, Eladir Alvarez and Joe Smith Jr. have agreed in, uh, to terms, have agreed in principle to fight. They have an eliminator fight for the vacant WBO light heavyweight title. So I think the WBO wants to do a four-man tournament kind of thing. And I know they have mentioned Canelo's name, possibly Canelo fighting Gilberto Ramirez. I just don't know if Canelo wants any part of that. Not that he fears Gilberto Ramirez, but I just think he wants to take on some bigger fish. Maybe even a little easier, bigger fish, uh, more reward, a little less risk. He doesn't give a shit about the WBO 175 title. He went up and grabbed it once. That was what it was. So, uh, anyway, Alvarez and Smith. I like that fight. I liked it a lot. That is a good, solid matchup, and that would be a fun freaking fight. Another fight that's probably going to happen in September, uh, Luke Campbell fighting against Devin Haney. I like that fight a lot. Luke Campbell will be the best opponent Haney has fought to date. Say what you will about Luke Campbell. Uh, I know he's taken a couple of losses, but they were to Vasily Lomachenko and Jorge Linares. There's no shame in that. And he was really, really close in his fight with Linares. So uh, I was there for that fight. That was a very close fight, even though he got dropped. I like the matchup a lot. If Luke Campbell and Devin Haney fight, same height, same reach, same size, and Campbell is a southpaw, Gold medalist, I think, in the 2012 games, I do believe, 2012. And he's fought those top guys like Lomachenko, like Linares. So he's got that experience. That is a great step-up fight for Devin Haney and a great defense of his quote-unquote title belt, okay? Also, uh, in the news front, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute. I think our guest is on here. But uh, Deontay Wilder returns to social media with an interesting video and tweet We'll talk about that a little bit in a second here, but let's see if our guest is on the line. I do believe he is. Let's jump over to the hotline here and see if we have... Uh, Gabriel Flores, are you on the line? Gabriel, is that is that you? Let's see. Maybe he doesn't know he's on. Gabriel, are you on the line? Hello, hello. 925, you're on the show. Okay, I guess we're having tech difficulties. 925. All right, I'm going to drop this call. I guess uh, we'll have to, let me see, guys. Let me send a quick message to somebody to make sure that Gabriel is ready, because I could not hear anybody there. Uh, Give me one second. I apologize for the people. Okay. Give me one second here. Not sure, not sure if you guys can hear this at all, but that messaging. So we, all right, I think we got him on the line. Hang on one second here. It just seems there's technical difficulties every week. This is why I need a producer on the show. All right, let's try this again. 925. You're on the neutral corner. Hello. Hello.
1: Yeah.
0: Hey, Gabriel, is that you, my man? Is that you, my man?
1: Yeah. All yeah. right, Gabriel. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for being on the show. Gabriel Flores, Jr., everybody. The Stockton King in the house, uh, representing the 209. I was expecting a 209 area code. So, um, anyway, thanks for being on the show, man. I'm, I really appreciate it. I wanted to ask you, uh, you're calling from that, I imagine you're calling from Vegas in that top-rank uh, facility, right? That little campus they built for you guys? Yeah, I uh I'd have to shed a couple extra pounds right there. you're gonna shut a few pounds there yeah i wanted to ask just kind of like um what life is like at that campus right now because you know obviously everything going on with covid and the whole situation could you like explain to to the people listening just you know how it all worked out like how you got there like transportation wise uh, how the testing is going the training procedures uh where they put you guys up where you're staying how you're handling meals like all that stuff
1: well, uh, I was born and raised right there, started, but I just moved right here to Vegas uh, in February. So uh, I've been out here in Vegas. I got tested about two weeks ago, just went in real fast, and uh, that's about it. Right now, it's calm, uh I'm going to have to go into the bubble before my fight, of course. But um, right now, everything's going smooth. I'm training right there. I got my field. their Everything's going well. I'm training hard, getting in shape. this for sure up. A- up to my game moving here to
0: vegas so i didn't even know that you had moved to vegas earlier this year my apologies um was was moving to vegas was that like a strategic thing like for for you and your team did you decide that you need to do that to kind of take your career to the next level for sure back at home in stockton it was hard to get sparring we're getting it but
1: just not enough and uh we know for sure right here in vegas we got the quality sparring right here all day long but that's what we needed and I'm getting great in shape over here.
0: So when did you find out that you had a fight? I know that you have a fight coming up, I think, uh, June 18th, of course, at the MGM Grand. It's going to be on ESPN. But when did yeah. you find out, like, the actual date and the opponent and all of that? Uh, I'll say
1: probably about a month ago. Yeah.
0: Okay, about so it was, like, last point. minute.
1: Uh, kind of give me about eight, eight weeks, six weeks oh okay eight, six weeks you know so but uh, i've been in the gym i stay in the gym so there was no problem nothing uh no weight problems on no that thing so i'm always ready when i get that call
0: and so like the facility right now that's set up by top rank at the mgm that where they are going to be putting on all these fights these uh tuesday and thursday night shows right now because it's not fight week for you can you like you know, leave that facility and go home since you live there in Vegas, or do you have to stay there until the fight?
1: Well, I'm not even in that facility at all right now. Uh, okay, right here at my spot in Vegas, at home. So, but uh, I heard once you uh, enter, you can't go out. You know, they have you there like prior, like a week or a little less until your fight, fight night, and then uh, once once you go inside that hotel room or the area, you can't. You can't do the uh, facility.
0: Okay, so you haven't even been on that little campus yet. but So you've been tested, and, of course, they they quarantine you until you get the results. But if they told you, like, what day you have to go in there, and, like, is your dad coming with you? Like, do you get to bring any family members? Or how does that work?
1: Well, on the corner, is should be me, my pops, and the cut, man.
0: That's, That's it. it. Okay.
1: But uh, I haven't got a date, exact date yet, where I'm going to enter the bubble what they call it the bubble I love it. yeah
0: entering the bubble I heard that on like Twitter I'm like what the hell are they talking about <laughs> that makes sense because it feels yeah, like a bubble
1: that's, right that's, yeah ah, man everything's closed they're just making sure nobody else catches what everybody else has you know everybody that's clean stays clean and they're ready for fight night and you know whoever out there in the world got the virus you know
0: we don't get in contact with them so we're right. be right there in the bubble now, you, you mentioned moving to Vegas in February to kind of take your career to the next level. You also uh, made a move recently where you signed a managerial uh, deal with James Prince. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you're the first fighter of Mexican heritage to sign with James Prince as, as a manager. Why is that significant to you? And And why why deal with James Prince? And like what what is the plan there with him?
1: Yeah, I was the first uh, Mexican to be assigned by Jay. And, uh, well, with all with oh, that is, Jay's, uh, for sure, you're at my stock and everything and the connections. Uh, when I'm right there with Jay, it's a big following. It created a big following already for me. More people know my face. And uh, Jay, Jay's just going to line it up and everything. We got everything going well when I'm training. He's there or Antonio Leonard's there. So, you know, man, it, it's for sure uh, – a great adding to my game, uh, to my team, for sure. Like I said, we're we building an empire over here. And you know, we got a lot of strong people behind me.
0: Dude, I mean, yeah, you, you got a squad, bro. I mean, you just turned 20 years old last month. You're a young kid, right? You, you signed a promotional deal with Top Rank at just 16 years old. I think that was in late 2016. And I, I believe you were the youngest fighter to ever sign a deal with Top Rank. Pro debut at 17 years old. Now at 20, you got a deal with James Prince. You moved to Vegas. You're setting everything up. It just feels like you got everything perfectly lined up right now. Now, in your mind, what would the next 12 to 24 months of your career look like if you could have everything your way?
1: Like what you just said, you lined it up perfectly. Each step I'm doing is making my career better and making me ready for the success. We're preparing for success. We're going after it. I want to make sure we get it. I mean, look at all the things. We're doing all the right things. And Jay for sure, was a big plus. and And uh, we knew what he brings to the table, which is a lot. And uh, within the next 12 to 24 months, uh, maybe a world title, we could go grab that real fast. You know, and then after that, then we're going to keep it rocking, man. You know, I'm working. Well, fight by fight is going to tell us how close that world title fight is. Fight by fight, that's how we're going to know. Uh, right now, we're seeing it within a year. In a year and a half so we're, we're ready man and uh if i do get that world title shot just know that night i'm gonna be ready when i grab that title
0: for sure no questions asked so you think even with uh you know covid and the, and the lockdown and all this stuff that's kind of paused all the plans you still want to well, go for that world title yeah that, that sounds within
1: i feel like all this is gonna clear up within a year you know okay, uh, they'll be okay. back to uh to audiences and all that, like, uh, I saw Bob Arum talking about, they said, they posted something about using the greater stadium and uh, having 10,000 people in attendance, having, like, you know, all spread it out, and then adding up to 10,000. So, they're already planning, hoping to do that in September. So, imagine within a year from right now. You know, I think it'll be uh, pretty good, man.
0: Uh, I'm hoping. That's awesome, man. I mean, that's just, it's amazing the way all these chips are kind of lining up for you. And, as such a young guy, how do you keep your head, how do you keep your wits about you? I mean, when I was 20, I wouldn't have been able to handle what you're going through right now. I was, I was too dumb. <laughs> how, are you, how are you handling it at 20 years old? Is it your pops, you know, kind of keeping a close watch on you? Is it just, you know, the strong family union? I mean, how do you keep your head, man, with all this attention at such a young age? A little
1: bit of everything, for sure my pops, you know, talking to me, making sure I'm right, lacing me up. But uh, I see the big picture. I know what my goal is. Ever since I was a young kid, man, I'm talking about, like, preschool, I always knew what I wanted to do. I want to be a world champion. I want to be the best and stay that way. You know, and to this day, I still have that on my mind. I know what I'm going for. So every day, every time, every night I step in that ring, I'm going to be 100% prepared. And I'm always going to come out with the win, man, because – I know what's in front of me. I know what I got to do. And I believe in me and my team.
0: And how often do you think you want to fight in Stockton? Like, let's say next year you fight, you win a title. How important would it be to you to get back to that area and fight? Like, how often? Would you like to do it once a year if you could? Or how would that look?
1: Uh, we like to do it twice a year. You know, and uh, I started out the very first time. I started out the very first time, so... You know, we got big fans. Maybe uh, when we could fit an extra few heads, we'll go down to Sacramento, right there, not too far, off, uh, at the Golden Wind Center.
0: That'd be great. I can't think of the last time there was like a, a major fight there. So that would be that would be a great show, man. Um, yeah. I'm just looking. You got like forty thousand followers on Instagram. That seems to be where you're really building up a presence for yourself. That's awesome. Um, I mean, do you feel like you're an influencer already? I mean, they they use that term on social media, right? You have that kind of following. You're only 20 years old, but you already have that kind of following. Do you feel responsibilities? You know, being somebody that has that many eyes upon you. Big time. I see. I'm the name of my city. Every time
1: I step out, I'm representing uh, Stockton, California. So of course, I feel that responsibility to make us look good. I'm fighting for us every time I'm in the ring. You know, I'm fighting for the youth in our city. Letting them know that there's a lot out there they could do. A lot, you know, that show them that they don't have to be limited thinking because there's a lot out there. Chris. Just because where you come from no not mean you can't do something or make something out of yourself. And they could, you could, No matter uh, what town you're born in, you can still do whatever you desire to do. And that's what I'm doing, man. That's what I'm showing them. Uh, to this day, I go to elementary schools, back in Stockton, high schools, and I talk to them and I just let them know, man, like, I was the same kid like them from Stockton, California growing up same thing you know all I did was I had a plan and I chased it and I made sure the people around me were with the plan you know not not against or dissecting me everybody was on board
0: that's a great attitude man you know Stockton is is an area that you know it's been hard hit by the economy and things like that in recent years and to have somebody like you proudly repping that area and willing to come back and do shows there I think that's that's great. It gives the community something to rally behind, somebody to rally behind. And you've done crowds of over ten thousand there. And uh, I think uh, February twenty second, you fought at MGM on uh, the Fury Wilder rematch. I think that was probably the biggest crowd you fought in front of, though. I think there was like fifteen thousand. What was that experience like fighting on that undercard? It was amazing, man. You know, <laughs> uh, fighting at MGM
1: like that's like the biggest fight. Like, you could probably say in the past decade or something, because when heavyweights get together, two world champion heavyweights get together, it catches everybody's attention. You know, it catches people that are not even boxing fans' attention. They just want to watch it, because when you talk about heavyweights, everybody starts thinking about Mike Tyson and all of them. So,
0: right.
1: man, they, they get pumped up when they hear heavyweight world champions going at
0: it. Yeah, I, I you know, I ask everybody that was there that night, Did you expect Tyson Fury to do what he did? Because he was talking all this shit before that fight. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I think he said he was going to knock him out in the second round. And I was like, yeah, right. You know, that's what most people thought. What did you think going in? Who did you favor to win that fight?
1: Uh, I favored Fury to win that fight. I was about him and win him. And, you know, uh, he's slick. And win. And you know, caught on for the last fight. But I did not expect him to go out there and dog Wilder like that. Right? That caught me by surprise for sure.
0: Yeah, I think it just surprised everybody. how do you see that third fight playing out?
1: Uh kinda in the same way, man. I see but really? I see, you know, Wilder really uh trying harder. Probably gonna be a little more in shape. Probably going a little harder, you know, but I see if fury coming up on top again. No, it will probably take him a little longer, but uh, I see Fury's the truth, man. He's the truth.
0: Right now, you're kind of you've been you're listed as a lightweight, but you've kind of been fighting at like one thirty two, one thirty three. When you go for that world title, do you think it'll be at one thirty or do you think it'll be at one thirty five? I say thirty. One thirty. I
1: can make thirty, man. Yeah. So yeah, where are you going to sure. be fighting
0: at on the 18th? Is it going to be lightweight?
1: Same thing, catchweight. Oh, it's a catchweight,
0: okay. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, mm-hmm. so if, you, if, you, if you're talking about 130, is there a particular fighter or fighters that you'd want to target? Like, do you see, of all the titleists right now, all the guys with the title, is there one guy that you look at and say, ah, his style, you know, that's, that's good for me. Is there a guy that you'd like to target?
1: When I'm ready for the title shot, it don't matter who's right there in that ring. You know what I mean? I'm going to go in there and snatch it. <laughs> you know, when we say we're ready, because once we win a title, then we're open to everybody. Now, there's a big target. I'm down. I'm going to be ready to fight anybody and whoever. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. it it doesn't matter really who you fight, because after that fight, then you'll be fighting hitters. You're be fighting all the ties, Then you're trying to wreck them all up.
0: I got. There's another fight I got to ask you about, man. They're talking about uh, Lomachenko and Tiafima Lopez later this year. How do you see that fight playing out?
1: Yeah, man. Uh, I'm excited. I, was, I want. That's a fight I really want to watch and tune into. But uh, I mean, Loma, he's real technical, man. He got high IQ. You know what I'm saying? He, he's a he's a veteran in the game. He's gonna be hard to really hit and really connect. But. Uh, that's what Fuel needs to do really. He just needs to land that shot. He got power in his hands. You know, and uh, he's quick too. You know, he he could do it for sure. No doubt. He could make it happen. But uh it's just it's all up to Loma. Make sure he's slick enough. Keep it keep him busy. You know, don't get reckless. Just walk him in carefully.
0: Yeah, both of those guys are your brothers with top rank. So you can't really pick one, can you? You just got to stay 50-50 on it, right? I, 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 If I thought one
1: had the edge, I'd say it. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. If I really thought, you know what I'm saying? So it's nothing, really. Like, I have no problem really choosing a side and saying, well, giving my personal opinion. But, I mean, Kio was young and strong and hungry, you know? But uh Loma, he's a veteran, you know, and and – and Loma could slip up, man. He could be agent or whatever, or maybe he's not. Only he knows how he feels. But Loma on his end game is a bad man, so that's it's hard because, like I said, Tio Piong has the power; he can touch him, and 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 Loma's not really that big for thirty-five.
0: He's not really one thirty-five. So, right. yeah, you're you're bigger than Loma. Yeah. I, I'm sure you've met him. I mean, you're bigger yeah. than him, right? Yeah. You're guy than him, and yeah. he's just 20 years old. So, yeah, I think people don't realize how tiny that dude is. He's definitely not a lightweight. But
1: um, Yeah, and that it in play, and that gets in play for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We got a question from John Uden on Facebook, and he asks With 17 fights under your belt, what areas does your father tell you that you're improving on the most, and where does he want to see more growth and improvement?
1: Uh, I'm improving more by uh, picking my shots, knowing what shots to do. And uh, the one thing that uh, we do need to improve is uh, picking up the pace. You know, I lay off my opponent sometimes. I'll catch him, pop, 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 catch him, catch him. And sometimes I don't keep the intensity. I'll just lay off. Uh, that's why a lot of my opponents survived throughout the fight and got to the last battle because sometimes I laid off, you know, and relaxed off of him a little bit when I could have just have to go on, but there's ways to do it without being reckless, you know?
0: Yeah, it actually brings me to a question I was going to ask you because in 17 pro bouts, you have six KOs, but you've clearly, I mean, anyone who's watched you fight, you've hurt just about everybody you've fought. You've buzzed guys, you've hurt them. Do you think the reason for the lack of stoppages is just maybe you just need to step on the gas a little bit more, or are you focusing on developing power in your shots at the same time? Yeah, it, it's just
1: all about uh, keeping up the pace, you know, not laying off of them. And, and sometimes when I got to sit down and punch, really sit down, because a lot of times when I'm throwing there, it, it, it's off of balance and reflexes. You know what I mean? I'm not really sitting down and trying my hardest to hit. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So it's all about the foot placement and all that.
0: And uh, before I let you go, Gabriel, could you let everyone know where you are, your Instagram? Account because you're not on Twitter, right? You're only on Instagram, so let everybody know where they can find you and follow you.
1: I got Twitter, I'm just
0: not too big on it, you know. Gotcha. But uh,
1: my Instagram and Twitter, they're the same names G underscore squad
0: underscore nation,
1: and uh, my Facebook is Gabriel Flores. So, G underscore what is it again? G underscore
0: G underscore underscore G underscore squad underscore nation. All right, there we go. It's easy enough. All right, Gabriel Flores Jr., thank you so much. Um, I really think that you got so much potential, man. Just keep doing what you're doing, and good luck next week at the MGM in Vegas.
1: Will do, man. Appreciate you,
0: and appreciate the call. Thank you. Absolutely, brother. Have a good one. There we goes, ladies and gentlemen, Gabriel Flores Jr. Now, for all of you that just listened to that interview or watched that interview, would any of you guess that that guy's 20 years old? Would any of you guess that was a 20-year-old kid? Listen to him talk. The kid is so poised and so mature at that age. I just, I, the sky is the limit for this kid. I'm telling you right now. Top Rank knows what they're doing. A lot of people wanted to sign this kid. They jumped in early at 16 and signed him. James Prince is signing a lot of guys, right? Uh, he He recently signed uh, Shakur Stevenson, of course, we all know he worked with uh, Andre Ward. His career turned out pretty damn good there's a reason why he wanted to get on board i 'm telling you guys if you haven 't seen this kid fight yet, you need to now look he it 's a showcase fight next week on the eighteenth. I get it, but he 's going to get back in the saddle, back in the ring, back into action. You guys need to check it out and just just i 'm telling you this kid 's got a lot of potential there 's a lot to like there, so hopefully you guys enjoyed that but um I i 'll say this too, man. Um, Gabriel's father being so heavily involved with his training and everything else, uh, you can see the guidance there. And you can just see the guidance. And there's a lot of fathers in boxing involved with their kids, and it doesn't always turn out good, right? Some fathers meddle too much. I mean, you think of uh, Angel Garcia with Danny Garcia. I mean, that's a situation where I think sometimes – Angel Garcia kind of works against his son Danny with some of his antics, the things he says, and even some of his technical training. But obviously, Gabriel and his team, uh <laughs> Picklet Smith on the chat, he says LeVar Ball. Yeah, no shit. That's a great example. But uh yeah, in boxing, father and sons don't always work, but sometimes it does. It really, really does. And I think this is a one of those situations where you can clearly see it working. And the team that they've assembled around this kid, wow. I mean, just it, it, the sky's the limit. Anyway, okay. Let's get back to, uh, well, of course, phone lines open, guys. So if you want to get on here and um, you got something to say, you got a question, you need a rant, get something off your chest, you guys know the numbers. Uh, local in the United States, 213-267-7787. And in the UK, 2081 Local numbers for you guys. So get on the phones. If you got anything to talk about. But uh, we'll do a quick preview of the shows this week. But first, I want to get to this Deontay Wilder thing. So, touchy subject. I might trigger some of you. Just relax. Look, Deontay Wilder posted. I want to make sure I get the dates correctly. I'm looking at it right here on my screen. He posted something on June 5th. Uh, so, what, that was, what, two days ago? Because today is, what, June 6th. So, uh, no, June 8th. So he posted this on Friday. A video, it's about a minute long, wearing his uh, Fighting Till His Day red hoodie. And he goes off with this kind of deaf poetry slam kind of performance. He's in the middle of the woods somewhere uh, talking about, um, obviously, all the, the, the heavy, heavy, complex stuff that's going on right now. The discussions people are having. Well, actually, people aren't having many discussions. They're just shouting battle cries at each other. Slogans and hashtags and shit. No one's really listening and having a conversation. That's the fucking problem. But he kind of posted this video after basically, you know, radio silence, if you will, for a while. And I just, look, I get, I have been critical of Deontay Wilder at times. Heavily critical. And I've been criticized for my criticism of Deontay Wilder. However, I've also defended Deontay Wilder a lot of times. I really, really have. And I've been criticized by certain people for overly defending the guy in certain situations. I just, he's a complex person, man. There, there's two sides of this dude. And look, all human beings are complex, right? The media wants everyone to like act like a, a light switch. There's, there's either the on position or the off position. The thing is... That's not how human beings are built. We're built like that dimmer switch, right? The dial that you turn, whether it's at 20%, 50%, 80%. That's how human beings are really built. The dimmer switch. And some days you turn down the dial, some days you turn it up. We all contradict ourselves. We're all hypocrites. I get it, myself included. That's what makes us a human being. That's part of being a member of the human race. But this particular post came off rather opportunistic and divisive, in my opinion, And I think it was a swing and a miss from Deontay Wilder. So obviously this is relating to the George Floyd situation, the the murder of George Floyd that happened on May 25th in, in Minnesota. The next day on May 26th, Deontay Wilder posted a picture of him on a motorcycle and just basically saying, Hey, check out my bike. Right. That had been the first time he had posted on Twitter for three months. So three months go by, The day after this murder, he posts a photo of himself on this motorcycle. Doesn't mention anything about what happened in Minnesota. Doesn't mention anything for the next couple of weeks. And then after all these protests and all these riots and the the shootings of uh, innocent people, the beatings of innocent people across the country, billions of dollars of damage, divisiveness everywhere, people yelling and screaming and foaming at the mouth, yelling at each other. He comes out with this video after all that, not during any of it, after all of it. And he's wearing his Fighting to this Day red hoodie, which he just so happens to be selling on his website. So I go over to his website, and I'm looking at it right now, the merch on the Bomb Squad website. And I see that the Fighting to this Day hoodie, you can get your very own, for over $60. $60. Now I look at the other merch on the site, every other item on the site. Oh, I'm sorry. Not every other item. There's three items here on the site that are $30. And I see one item that's $40. So everything is pretty much $30 to $40. Bucks. There is a, there is another hoodie that's about $60. Bucks, and then there's the Fighting to this Day hoodie. I don't know if any of this, the proceeds from this, go to benefit some sort of cause or charity or, or place that he's donating to because of the Fighting to this Day activist hoodie. But if he is... There's no mention of it here on the site. I'm looking at the site. There's no mention of the proceeds going to benefit any sort of charitable cause as it relates to civil rights, social justice, any of those things. So you're rocking your Till This Day, Fighting Till This Day hoodie, posting this video. Weeks after this incident happened, after all the looting and riots and everybody else has been opining, you come out, do this video, give this little poem kind of performance Wearing this hoodie that you just so happen to be selling on your website. I don't know, dude. I'm also looking at the reviews of this thing. The reviews are not very good. Um, But some of these reviews are trolling, though. I mean, some of these are pretty funny. I I just don't know, guys. To me, it just kind of felt a little uh, cringeworthy to a certain degree. Also, the messaging. So I'm going to just read you the tweet, okay? The, the tweet that this video is attached to. It says, "It isn't about blacks versus whites. It's about blacks versus racism." I get it. This isn't about blacks versus whites. Um, it sh- never should be. We're we're not at war, like you know. And some people are using that sort of rhetoric on social media. I go back to battle cries. A lot of people don't understand that the slogan they're wearing on their hat or their T-shirt. Or the physical gesture they're making with their body, or the hashtags, or whatever thing they're posting on their social, a lot of that is a battle cry. Meanwhile, we're not at war, right? So I think people are letting themselves really get manipulated here, but I won't go down that rabbit hole. Anyway, I don't, the wording there, because here's the thing, dude. Yeah, it's about blacks versus racism. That, yes, that's true, but it's also about everybody versus racism. Everyone hates racism. Racism sucks. Nobody likes racism, right? Racism as a concept is on life support. It's barely hanging on. 99% of people are not racist. It's like 1% of human beings are actual racist. If 1%, honestly, if you really look at what that that term means, and I'm not talking about the Berkeley university definition or the woke center ESPN definition. I'm talking about the real world definition of what racism is. 1% of the population. If that I'm being generous is, is racist. Okay. The other 99% of us fucking hate it and don't stand for it. So it's not about blacks versus racism. It's about everybody versus racism. So if, if the mission here, Deontay was to, unify, and bring people together. Uh, this didn't accomplish that. I think that it could be interpreted by people who do have a, an agenda as uh, you know being divisive. I'm not necessarily saying I interpret it that way. I think I get what his gesture was trying to be. I think the messaging maybe just wasn't the best. And I say that as a guy that fully understands and realizes I've tweeted things, said things, written things that could be interpreted as a bad thing, you know, in in a bad way, in a bad light. And looking back, I'm like, damn, I shouldn't have said it that way. I shouldn't have wrote it that way. And I've tried to learn and do better. And I'm trying to improve and get better and be more inclusive in the way I say things. I'm still going to be opinionated. I'm going to fiercely defend my opinion. But at the same time, I need to open up and try to be a little more understanding of my messaging and try to take people's um, frame, uh, point of reference or point of point of view into consideration. So I fully admit all that, but the, the messaging of this thing, it came off rather opportunistic. Hey, look at me. This is my virtue signal. Please click on this. Oh, by the way, you can get your very own hoodie like this over at my merch site. That's just the way it came off to me. Maybe I'm totally off base here, guys. Correct me if I'm wrong, okay? I'll be happy to admit it if I'm wrong. But a lot of people on social media right now are talking like parrots and acting like sheep. I don't need to qualify myself to any of you on social media. And by the way, just in case you didn't know, Twitter isn't real life. Neither is YouTube or Spreaker. None of this shit's real life. Real life is real life. And the things I I do in my real life, in my private life, that to, to... uh, donate to my community and to help out people in need. I've spent tons of time doing that stuff. Some of you guys who actually know me and have broken bread with me and we've hung out, we've had a few drinks, your ladies met my lady, you know, uh, your siblings have met my siblings. You guys know how I get down to what I'm really about. People on Twitter and stuff like that, they don't know. They don't know. Most of them don't know. They're just going to make assumptions. But you don't need, it's not about what you do on social media, guys. If I could just give my opinion. It's about what you do in your real life. That's where you really truly make an impact, okay? Because social media isn't real life. So anyway, posted something like this, yeah, just kind of gave me a few douche chills. Not the first time. Just not the first time something from Deontay has given me douche chills. And by the way, the whole till this day rhetoric started during fight week of the first Fury bout, his first pay-per-view fight. I don't think he meant for that to go viral, but when it did, a bunch of opportunistic hangers-on saw dollar signs there because there's a lot of money in this activism shit. Keeping working-class black people and working-class white people on two opposite sides is how the people in control of this country right now stay in control because they don't want those two groups to find out that they're both getting butt fucked with no lube at the same rate They want people to think shit's loaded in one way, shit's loaded in a different way. That's what they want them to think because the second, those two groups of people, the second all working class, lower income people band together and realize who's really fucking them and that the real color involved is green, those people rise up. The elites in power, which does include Deontay Wilder, he's now an elitist, part of the power structure, just like anybody who's a millionaire. I mean, with his platform and his celebrity, those people lose their power once working class people band together. That's why they don't want you guys getting along. That's why they manipulate statistics. That's why they push certain parts of the protest. And They're not talking about the peaceful protest. They're not talking about real conversations real leaders are having. They're suppressing those voices. They're promoting the violence. They're promoting, they cherry pick during an election year. Which murder they're going to show you guys and promote to get everybody agitated about. They were the same people that were telling you you couldn't leave your house during the COVID thing. Are The same people right now stoking the flames of anger. And it's not just anger. It's paranoia. It's fear. It's distrust. They want you all distrusting each other and being mad at each other and fearful of each other. As long as that stays around, those people stay in power. And by the way, it's both political parties doing this shit. It's both. Yes, one political party dominates the discussion and all the commerce. I get that. That is valid. But the other side, even though they don't control the media, they still have their ways of manipulating this to their constituents as well. Okay, so anyway, had to go down that rabbit hole a little bit. Uh, Anyway, I just the Deontay Wilder thing... I just think about his third fight coming up with Tyson Fury and how loaded that promotion is going to be. It's going to be like the rematch between Sergey Kovalev and Andre Ward on steroids. And I hope Tyson Fury does what he did the, it, before the rematch and says, "Listen, uh, this isn't about a white guy versus a black guy. This isn't about." I hope he sings that same tune. We know Deontay Wilder's not probably not going to do that based upon some of his social media posts. I hope he does. I hope he proves me wrong. But with all the Glovegate idiots on YouTube and all that, then everything that's been going on, plus it's an election year, oh my God, fuck a day. The promotion for that third fight is going to be hell to get through, ladies and gentlemen. And most of it, it's not even going to be about boxing for a lot of people tuning in. It's going to make big bucks. There's a lot of money in this shit. But is that what we really want for our sport? Is that what we really want? We should be bringing people together. Anyway, super chat pledge from my man, Trent Nanpareil. Thank you so much, Trent. And if I'm butchering that name, please tell me how to pronounce it better. Not a genius. Yeah, I'm not a genius. Anyway, he says, uh, thank you so much for the super chat, by the way. I should say that. Thank you very much for your support. You always support the show, brother. Thank you very much for that. He says, yo, guess I'm okay with criminal money in boxing, Uzbek billionaire heroin tra- trafficker Gafur Rakhimov was president of AI- AIBA. Uh, he wants to return on his he wants to return on his investment, and now Jalalov will com- compete at the 2021 heavyweight Olympics, even though he's a pro. Your thoughts? AIBA is a corrupt organization. Those are my thoughts. Um, there's a reason why, look, the IOC, the the International Olympic Committee is the most corrupt sporting organization on earth. Not even close. There's, there's no close second. The IOC is the most corrupt sporting organization on earth right now. Not even close. And they were questioning the ethics of AIBA and threatening to not have boxing in the 20, the games that were supposed to happen. This summer. Think about that for a second. That tells you how troubled that entity is. Okay, I'm not going to talk about individual players and all that. You guys already know all that stuff. You've heard all the stories, but it is a troubled organization. Very much so. As far as pros uh, fighting in the Olympics, that was ruled to be okay a few years back. Um, I want to say it wasn't before 2016, but it was before 2020. So there was a committee that got together and say um, and said that uh, that's okay. So whatever. If the pros want to compete in the Olympics, go for it. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. It might've been before 2016. We might've had some pros compete in 2016. I know if I were a pro fighter and I was making good money and I had established a good career, a good living for myself, I probably would not want to go back and compete in the Olympics. However, some of these countries, particularly the old Soviet bloc countries and uh, countries like China, just countries over in that part of the world, they pay good money to their amateur athletes because it's a status sim- symbol for those types of countries to do well in international amateur competition like the Olympics. So, um, who is that in the chat? Let me, I should read this real quick. The comment in the chat from Ongari says three pros at Rio 2016 all lost early. That is right. I thought so. Yeah, so they're worth, I remember there were a handful of pros that fought in 2016 and um, they all lost. It's a different style. The scoring system there, you guys think there's scoring issues in the professional boxing world. Olympic boxing scoring is atrocious. They don't even score body shots. It's ridiculous. So if this guy wants to compete in the Olympics, go for it. I, you know, like i watch uh, I watch Olympic boxing a little bit, but i don 't pay that much attention to it. I do think it 's important when people compete and, and just making the Olympic team and being in the Olympics as an amateur shows that you 're a high level amateur, so when you see a professional fighter, you see a prospect coming up and you learn that they fought in the Olympics, they represented their country in the Olympics. That shows you that there is a certain amount of craft and skill there to get them to that level. I mean, to get to that level, you have to be a good amateur fighter. If you meddled, well, sometimes that is political. Gennady Golovkin was basically told by the people in charge when he fought in the Olympics, you're not going to get the gold and he had to settle for a bronze, even though he deserved the gold. We saw Evander Holyfield get screwed over. We saw Roy Jones Jr. get screwed over. Floyd Mayweather got screwed over. We've seen a bunch of fighters screwed over in the Olympics. It's what happens, right? But just making it to that level, it is impressive, and it's something that matters, I think, when you're you're evaluating a prospect coming up. It shows, or even a veteran fighter, it shows a, a certain depth of experience and skill there. All right, so anyway, yeah, if, if, uh, if pros want to go into the Olympics and fight, whatever. I mean, we let NBA players play basketball in the Olympics, so it is what it is. I, I, I'm fine with that. But AIBA, very corrupt organization. Super Chat Pledge from D3440, thank you so much. He says, when will Madramov get his title shot? Not this year, but next year. Israel Madramov will fight for a title next year, no doubt about it. No doubt about it, and I think he'll win. All right, we got a couple calls here in the chat. Let's jump over to the phones. Seven seven three. You're on the neutral corner. Go.
2: Deontay Wilder, what a clown that guy is! <laughs> I mean, you remember what he said about um, Wilder or about Fury when he, he wanted to make him a a uh, Black History Month trivia question, and he was bringing up race all the time leading up to that fight and his walkout and and then he wants to come out. And what did Fury say? Fury took the everyman approach. He said, that's, if that's not what it's about, it's about man versus man, pure competition. He took the high road like a classy athlete's supposed to. And now Wilder's going to come out and uh, promote this crap. This get his day. What a clown that guy is. Man, I can't say it enough. And, of course, he's going to get a pass. No one's going to call him out. You're one of the few. But I, and none of you have uh, people at ESPN or Fox. They're not going to call him out for it. They're not going to call him a hypocrite. So what are you going to do? And as far as these boxing fights coming up, there's really not too many in the near future that are exciting. You Really just got to wait for, I don't know, someone like Baranchik. Who's he fighting? I think there's a good fight. He's supposed to be fighting.
0: That's in July. That's a good fight. And then uh, I talked about before, Alvarez and Smith. That's a good fight. Campbell Haney's a good fight. We're going to get him, dude. August, September, you're going to get some good matchups. But, like, a really big, big fight? Probably not until Lomachenko and Lopez fight, or maybe the third fight between Fury and Wilder. Should happen, though. But, unfortunately, they'll be pay-per-view.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah, I just got to wait I mean, it's the live gate thing, that might be an issue. Mm-hmm. That might be a reason why they're trying to hold off and wait, put these big fights on. The Fury, Wilder, that may be the issue. And then Lopez, TFM uh, Lopez, Mamachenko. I think that's why. you think that's why they're going to try to hold off and push him back as yeah. far as possible?
0: Yeah, that's the biggest thing, okay. dude, is uh, the, the live gate revenue. Look. You know, talking about a fight like, let's say, Elvarez, El- 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 Elvarez and Joe Smith Jr., they don't need a crowd because what those guys are getting paid, you don't need to do a big live gate to cover that, right? The, the TV fees and all that will cover it. Uh, same thing goes with, like, Luke Campbell versus Devin Haney. But you need a big crowd for Lomachenko Lopez because that is a pay-per-view fight. They're getting a big payday, both of them. And of course for Wilder and Fury, that's that's huge. You're talking, you know, eight figures for both guys. So uh you gotta have that ticket sales, man. The the, the, the Live Gate revenue, you gotta have it.
2: You don't think pay-per-view would be able to cover cover it?
0: You know, brother, in years past, I would say yes. But you've seen what the sales have been for these pay-per-views, man. People You know, they don't realize that, you know, if you sell, let's just say 100,000 pay-per-views at 80 bucks a pop, well, people are like, what is the math on that? Is that $80 million? Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. (laughs) I'm doing math in my head live here. But, you know, okay, let's say you make $80 million or whatever. Well, you start whacking that up. I mean, half of it goes to the pay-per-view provider, and then you've got to pay for uh, a bunch of other expenses. It's actually more than half now because there's so many different streams uh, so more than half goes to the pay-per-view provider. There's taxes. There's all these fees. Dude, the promotion's getting may- maybe a quarter of the pay-per-view sales when it's all said and done. Probably not even that much. So you got to sell a lot of pay-per-views to, to, to you know, cover these purses. A big part, I mean, you think, um, I can't remember the exact number, but I think like Wilder Fury, that second fight, I know it did. I think at least like a $10 million gate. That's a big chunk of money right there, bro. You know, that goes a long way to paying those guys.
2: Oh, definitely. I agree 100%. All right, Mike, thanks for taking my call. I just want to get that out of my chest regarding Deontay Wilder. What a doofus that guy is.
0: <laughs> I hear you, bro. Look, man, his uh, messaging has been pretty divisive. Tyson Fury's messaging has been unifying. And I've been really critical of Tyson Fury in the past, uh, you know, with the whole, you know, I thought that lineal champion thing was crazy. But he handled that situation in that second fight the right way, and I hope he sticks to that message. And it's just, yeah, man, I hear you, brother. Good call, man. Definitely. All right, take it easy. Oh, you too, bro. All right, uh, let's get to this other call. Let's see. Uh, 317. Oh, hold on. Let me click the button, Mike. 317, you're on the show. Go.
3: You know who this is?
0: I have a I have a guess, but go go ahead. Say it, bro. If you have a guess, then say it. Is this it. is this Jack? Yes, sir. I thought so. Yeah. I thought the area code. Dude, what what is three one seven? What area is that I know it's Indiana, but
3: uh Is that like I don't Indianapolis? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what oh, it is. Okay, okay. And it's funny because I'm, pretty, yeah, it's Indianapolis, but I'm not, I don't even live in Indianapolis, but <laughs> that's, that's what my area is. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you were on my uh, podcast last time or my channel or whatever you want to call it. And I forgot to ask you. So when I see, you know, everyone wants to look in shape and I look at you and I see a big, you know, Musker a guy who works out all the time. And I want, I want to know, what's your, like, workout – what's your workout routine? Like, what days do you take a break on? Like, what time do you wake up to go running and, like, stuff like that?
0: Right. Well, it, it changes, but I, I've – I've been playing sports and stuff since I was you know a teenager, so you' you're talking about twenty five plus years of training you know it just depends what you want, man, but I would say uh at your age, dude, you don't need a lot of recovery time you can, you should work out six days a week, and I would definitely lift three or four days a week. I'd do cardio two or three days a week. Just remember to fucking stretch dudes don't stretch don't worry about doing all these p r s and stuff like people worry about. You know, uh, benching 300 pounds, 400 pounds. It's about, you know, all. it's not just about the big muscles. It's about what they call the prime movers. It's about the connecting tissue and the the smaller muscles that people ignore in your core and stuff. That's what's going to help you later in life, dude. I've never had a shoulder injury, a knee injury, a back injury. Most guys who played sports by the age of 40, their fucking back is blown out. Their shoulders are blown out. You just got to make sure you take care of that stuff, man. Yes, sir. Uh, I think the last guy who
3: called, I think that was the Bob Arum guy who said Bob Arum is the senile old person.
0: <laughs> you remember what he said? I I don't know if that was him or not. I I don't know, but that was a good call. No, no. I could tell. I could tell. Th- this I last tell call was a good call. Me. Not, not that call. This last call. Let me make sure I'm clear on that. Um, you know, this, yeah, I don't know. No, I I think it was, but, uh, uh,
3: yeah, man. I just wanted to call in to like, uh, just ask how your, uh, how your workouts are
0: going. Uh, when do you think, are you, are you any of your gyms open? Like in your area? Yeah. They, they just opened back up. Um, you know, they have certain procedures and shit. You got to get, um, your temperature checked and everything when you go in and everything, all the equipment spread out. So like, I haven't lifted in like three months. I haven't lifted shit probably four months because I was training for a marathon and then the whole pandemic thing hit so like i wasn't even lifting before so pretty much this whole year i've barely lifted so i need to get back in the gym and do some lifting and get some bulk back on my arms and shit but um dude yeah man just um you need slow cardio like basically the first 20 minutes of your cardio is a throwaway it takes a good 20 minutes or so to where you're really getting to the fat burning so go for a four or five mile run at least once a week that's your slow cardio, but then also do that hit cardio, bro. Do uh, do stairs, do um, um, sprints. Sprints are awesome. You know, of course, boxing, you know, will take care of that too. But you got to get the lifting in too, man.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know what's crazy? Deontay Wilder said uh, that he never did uh, road work or like sprints. That's what he said, apparently. And I thought that was like the – I was like, I don't know if that's
0: true or not. I don't know why you deny that. No, 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 because if he played basketball, I played basketball at a fairly high level. I played in the Marines and everything. And you run suicides and you do all sorts of road work uh, in in just playing basketball. So I I remember. No, I mean, for boxing. Oh, he said for boxing? boxing. Um, Yeah, for training, he doesn't need to do road work. And I'm like, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I mean, I guess if he does enough jump rope and enough work on the bags and stuff like that, then maybe that's enough to, to, you know, break a sweat for him. I think he had knee injuries in the past. I don't know if it was knee or ankle. and That's why he got out of basketball. So maybe he doesn't like to do a lot of road work because he has knee problems or something. Maybe there is some truth to that. Dude, I'll say, like, uh, guys like Vladimir Klitschko, he spent a lot of time in the pool. You know, it's just most of us don't have access to a pool. He was a fucking millionaire. <laughs> so, uh Yeah, you
3: know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was about to ask. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I know you're probably going to be mad at me for saying this, but uh, I remember you said, like, don't you think Joe Lewis is better than Ollie?
0: Yeah, I do. I Well, okay, let, let me rephrase that. It's not that, like, necessarily I pick him head to head against Ali. It's that I rate him higher because of what he did in his era versus what Ali did. I rate him as the top. But the of the month club. <laughs> bum of the month club, bro. I no I, I get that. I get that. But he was also the longest reigning champion. He did beat some good fighters. Uh, the rematch with Max Schmeling was, I think, the most significant sporting event in America in the 20th century. He was the first black American sports hero. He went a long way to helping uh, pave the way for somebody like Ali. You could not have Ali without Joe Lewis. A lot of people don't know that Joe Lewis helped uh, Ray Robinson when he was in the military get into officer school. He used his political pull to do that. So there's a lot of things that Joe Lewis did for civil rights, particularly for black soldiers. I just I rate him number one because of the social impact he had. He doesn't get credit for it, but he really paved the way for a lot of other guys. And when he beat Max Schmeling in that rematch on the eve of the, the Great War and, you know, uh, the Nazi propaganda and all that, uh, he blew that shit up, that, you know, that evil ideology – uh symbolically anyway and uh i think that's important dude that's why i rate him number one but i you know, you want to rate ali number one you get no complaint from me brother no complaint at all
3: yes sir all right my dogs are barking they're going crazy i just had to <laughs> mute my mic for like a solid minute right there so uh yeah i'll talk
0: to you later mike take it easy all right man you too <laughs> all right everyone jack and his dogs uh let's see i gotta get back over here to the chat Trent with another super chat pledge. Thank you again, Trent. He says, yo, Kenehan Cartel is MTK. He's talking about MTK Global. They secretly run and own MTK. Kenehan is the largest cartel in Western Europe. MTK manages the best boxers from UK and Ireland. Thoughts. They manage Fury, Josh Taylor, Billy Joe Sanders. Christy Kenehan denied early release from Irish prison uh, to continue criminal networking and fluent Russian and Spanish to be a better gun and drugs traffickers, straight killers, any, okay. And then there's another one. Uh, so let's stick with Trent's. Uh, look, there's been a lot of talk about that. Honestly, I don't know enough about the situation. Um, I know it's officially on the record. I would love to talk to some people off the record about that situation. And one of these days when I get over to the UK, it's going to be one of the things I really, really, Dig into on the ground over there, but I'm not comfortable speaking on that situation with a a strong opinion because I just don't know enough about it. I will say that um, MTK Global has put out communications saying we have nothing to do with this person, we have disassociated from that person, but there is still a lot of talk in the boxing community that he is still very much associated with them, and um, part of where they locate their office and stuff makes some of the illegal activities a little easier to get away with. I've heard all sorts of things. I am just not at liberty to talk about any of it with a strong opinion because I just don't know enough about the situation, and I don't want to pretend like I do. There are certain things you guys know I'm very vocal about and not afraid to share my opinion because I have a good, healthy understanding and a deep you know, knowledge base of it. This situation just is not one of them. So uh, any of you guys out there that have some off the record, inside information about what's going on over there. If you want to have a private talk with me and kind of teach me some of the things going on and we could talk about that, of course, I want it to be sourced. Of course, I want it to be something that I can, um, you know, do my own additional research on top of it and find out, like, how legit is this? I don't deal in conspiracy theories. You know, I want to deal in facts. So if some of you guys out there are tied or close to that situation, you want to talk to me privately, non-public for safety purposes and stuff – we can set that up. We can make that happen because I'd like to learn more about it because, uh, quite frankly, I claim ignorance on the subject and that's something I don't like to do. Okay. So, uh, great stuff, Trent. You know, it, it, officially, MTK Global says we have nothing to do with this, these people. We were tied with them before, we're no longer associated with them. Behind the scenes, however, a lot of people say it's a different story. That's all I can really say, man. Super chat pledge from BB Mute Man. Thank you so much. He says, Any plans to do more fight parties and uh, old fights with the live chat, especially now that uh, many are free to watch on TV? Also, happy early birthday. Well, thank you so much and absolutely. I thought about maybe doing a fight party, you know, for this return fight Tuesday. It's a bit, But honestly, do you guys want to see that? I, I doubt it. So I want to wait till there's a good, solid matchup that, you know, has a 50-50 look to it. Maybe it is that Baranchek's a pay-to-fight. Maybe it's uh, Jamel Herring's title defense. I mean, obviously, he's favored in that fight, but that's right around the 4th of July. That might be fun to do. But yes, we will do them. And uh, you guys saw my video where... Tiffany and I watched uh, Oscar De La Hoya and Felix Trinidad. And she gave her score as someone who's never seen the fight before. And then I gave my thoughts. If you'd like to see more of that stuff, I could do some more of that stuff, too. I, uh, I've been doing a lot of work on my house recently. And uh, I'm kind of at a stage now where I'm not going to have to do any more work for the next month or so. So I can work more on some of this other stuff. Okay, And now that boxing's back... I'm going to be working more heavily in boxing and we'll be putting out more material. Okay. So thanks again for the super chat pledge. All right. On that note, guys, the phone lines are um, empty. We got all the calls out of the queue. And I say at this point, we're going to break. All right. So uh, again, no show next Monday. Now, perhaps I'll do a rant video or something in the meantime, but uh, that is it for the show this week. And then we will be back, not next week, the 15th, but the following week, uh, Monday, the 22nd. And we'll review these shows and preview the shows coming up, all right? So good calls today, guys. Thank you for uh, putting up with me and listening to me rant a little bit. Hopefully, I didn't trigger too many of you. Have a good night. I'll see you at the fights.